The wait for Game of Thrones Season 7 is almost over, but we are just getting started back down the King's Road on the road to Westeros, a Game of Thrones Season 7 Get Hype series featuring myself, Rob Sestrino, and my co-host, the great Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing really well. I feel like the way you phrased that made it sound like there are three people on this podcast, one of whom is myself, one of whom is Rob Sesternino, and one of whom is you, who is no one? Yes, yes. Uh, well, am I Perhaps. still no one? I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. No, I think that all the no ones are done with. I think we know who everybody is at this point. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, six seasons into this thing, we all know who everybody is. Yes. Well, we will have a third person. He is not a, a no one uh, with us on uh, Sunday night uh, in Stephen Fishback, but more on that to come. Let me just set wow. up everything here to go what what do you think of just that going going straight for the lead there just uh no no burying it but we're just blitzing past it a lot of stuff to get to here on this seven part series to get you ready for game of thrones season seven it's all coming together of course josh you have been uh, really you've never left game of thrones uh since season six with all of the work that you do uh i, I don't want to say maybe daily at this point for the hollywood reporter we are daily at this point. Uh, yeah, it had been in drips and drabs after season six had wrapped a couple of weeks after season six was still in the trenches every single day. Had a little bit of time off between seasons, but now we're full tilt boogie into Westeros. We're back in Game of Thrones mode. So, yeah, I covered it aggressively during season six on The Hollywood Reporter and will be covering it just as aggressively, if not a little bit more so on the Hollywood Reporter for season seven. So I'm really stoked about that stuff. Shameless plug, thr.com slash Game of Thrones if you want to follow all of my articles there. There's going to be tons of interviews, lots of analysis and theory pieces and nerdy stuff and all sorts of good things if you like to, to hear me yammer on about Game of Thrones. I'm going to be doing that pretty much hourly for the next you know seven or eight weeks at this point. So it's going to be fun. Well, and if you like to hear Josh uh, yammer on about Game of Thrones, you're in the right place because we are getting started now on our seven part series, getting you ready for the uh, upcoming highly anticipated. I think we say this every year, the most anticipated season of television of all time. And we are on that journey right now. So we're going to have a preview podcast, you know, just like a short little uh, deep dive into a specific subject every uh a day or two here for the next uh, two weeks getting you ready for the premiere of Game of Thrones on Sunday July 16th uh, this will all culminate in a live version of our Road to Westeros on uh, the uh, 7th installment that's going to be on Friday July 14th on our Facebook page for post show recap so a lot of yeah. stuff Josh send the Ravens Send the Ravens. The Ravens are out. Winter is here. So is Wiggler. So is Sir Rob with yes. one B, not two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the Backfish is going to be joining us for some uh, some Game of Thrones coverage this season. Yeah, a little bit of a curveball for you guys on Sunday nights uh, with everything that Josh is doing, that uh, Josh is unable to join us for the live recap of the episode. But we will be bringing you the snow-it-alls that myself and Stephen Fishback uh, will be live on Sunday nights after each episode of Game of Thrones uh, Season 7. And then Josh and I will be back reunited like so many uh, great Game of Thrones pairs for our feedback show every single week. 
Yeah, and we will have a third podcast for you every week as well. As often as humanly possible, that is going to be the Game of Thrones book club with Terry Schwartz. Sometimes it will not be. We are both very, very busy with our own respective Game of Thrones beats uh, on the daily job, but we are going to try and bring you those as often as we can. But we will definitely have a third podcast every week. So it's going to be a lot of Game of Thrones coverage coming your way pretty soon. A lot of stuff coming up, so make sure you're subscribed to our Post Show Recaps podcast feed. You can get that on iTunes. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And what you could really do to help us ascend to the Iron Throne by leaving us some star ratings and feedback on the iTunes page at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. That way you don't miss any of the shows we're doing here in the preseason or anything that we're putting out during the regular season. So, Josh, here we are now getting uh, so close. Can you believe it? You know, I can. (laughs) I can believe it. I mean, it is a little bit later than usual, though. Uh, Game of Thrones is typically coming out in the springs. And this has been over a year since our most recent episode of Game of Thrones, which means it's been a really long time since we've podcasted about Game of Thrones. It is delayed this year because, as it is on the show, as Eddard Stark had been promising for years and years, uh, for, you know, for so long, and the rest of the Starks as well, winter was coming. Winter is now here as of the season six finale. And in order to incorporate that into the production, Game of Thrones pushed its production a little bit later than they usually do so that they could have some big snowy wintry landscapes in their shots and that means a later debut for game of thrones so game of thrones is the summer show it's the show of the summer here in 2017 so it's a little bit of an unusual timing for game of thrones but i'm kind of pumped about that i could use the break so i wasn't too mad about it but how about you were you were you upset that game of thrones was delayed this year i mean i think i was in the initial going but you know now that we're so close it's like you know uh who cared it was a couple of months uh I know there's a lot of people that were probably, you know, just like counting down the minutes from the end of season six. But I sort of, uh, you know, uh, put it out of mind for a little bit. But now I could not be more excited that we are getting so close, Josh, with what, 13 hours left of this show? Yeah, you know, so we're looking at 13 episodes left. I think 13 episodes is probably the way to frame it rather than hours. There's already reports that uh, that there's going to be episodes this season even that are going to be pushing 90 minutes. So we're going to be seeing episodes that are almost feature length film size. And I think that that is also going to be par for the course with the final final season, season eight, which is going to hopefully come out next year. Maybe it'll be even 2019 potentially. Who knows how that's going to go? Uh, it's also, you know, maybe people don't know this, but Game of Thrones is going to be shorter this year in terms of the episode count. It's only seven episodes as opposed to the traditional 10 episodes per season. So the goalposts, they're in sight. You know, we're really close to the end zone here with Game of Thrones. And I've kind of been looking at this year of Game of Thrones as the first half of the final season. I think Mm -hmm. that they are officially calling it season seven and season eight. But in my mind, I'm kind of looking at it in the grand tradition of your Sopranos or your Breaking Bads or your Mad Men, where they, they would take that final season season and chunk it up over two different years. I think that that's the most instructive way to look at Game of Thrones season seven and season eight, which means rather than being in the penultimate season, I'm kind of looking at it as 
we're already in final season territory, baby. And I think that that means there's going to be a whole lot of stuff that is going to be happening this year. I think it's going to be a pretty big year for Game of Thrones, which is, you know, kind of a weird thing to say because it's always a big year for Game of Thrones. But I think it's going to be especially exercised. Okay, Josh. Now, in each of these preview podcasts that we're doing, we are going to uh, do a dive into one particular subject. And today we are going to be looking backwards before we can look forwards. Uh, Unlike the Three-Eyed Raven or Bran, we can't do both at the same time. So today we're going to be talking about what we just saw in season six, because I think for a lot of people, you know, so much has gone on in our real lives in uh, just since the end of Game of Thrones from last year. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No idea what that means. Possibly (laughs) some of the details of the complicated uh, political landscape of Westeros and Essos uh, that they may have uh, had some things that slipped through the cracks for our viewers. Yeah, slip through the crevasse, uh, which is a, a great game that they play in uh, in Westeros. Yeah, I think so. I think you know a lot happened in season six, at least in terms of moving the pieces to a more exciting place on the board. It's funny going into season six, coming out of season five, there was a lot of uncertainty. There were a lot of cliffhangers leaving off in season five and heading into the next season. Like Jon Snow was dead, and there were certainly the Jon Snow truthers who believed that Jon Snow would be coming back Daenerys Targaryen she flew off to God knows where she was in the middle of it seemed the Dothraki Sea once again uh Marcella Baratheon had just been killed and you had no idea how that was going to go over with Cersei uh so there was a lot that was hanging in the air leaving season five a lot of uncertainty moving into season six and I think that a lot of there's still uncertainty of course going into season seven here, but you have a little bit of a firmer grasp of what the stakes are going to be for this year than maybe you did last year. Um, Certainly Jon Snow did not stay dead, Rob. He came back to life pretty swiftly. Well, just to speak big picture about uh, season six for a moment, I really feel like in reviewing everything that we talked about for season six, I think season six was a rather incredible season of the show. Just uh, so many big things happen in season six. And I feel like that season five, I think that might have been uh, a little disappointing in that area. But season six just really delivered so many things that just... uh, Uh, changed up the entire game board of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't think that you would... uh, I I wouldn't be mad at anybody who said season five was the weakest season of Game of Thrones. I think it's between that and season two for me. Um, I think that there was, you know, certainly some uncomfortable moments in that season. uh, Certainly some sequences and storylines that didn't exactly land. Looking at you, Sand Snakes, that didn't really play out Mm -hmm. as much as we'd really hyped those people up. Uh, But I think that season six did have a lot going for it. It was also the first season of the show that was really off book. Um, certainly the, the show had strayed away from George R. R. Martin's novels from time to time over those first few years, but more often than not, at least structurally, they were really simpatico with the books. Uh, season six is the first real full-fledged year where there isn't a lot of source material to adapt because at this point, the show has lapped the books, and now we've lapped the books by two seasons here coming into season seven. So that's, to me, that's 
exciting. I know for a lot of really diehard book purists, it's aggravating is probably a nice way of describing it. But I've always been pretty open minded on that. Um, but I do think that because the books are no longer a limitation, there is a lot of freedom to really just kind of flex the muscles of being a television show and throwing so much at the screen that hasn't happened in the book by now, like the Battle of the Bastards being a huge, huge moment for the show, essentially an entire episode that was built just, you know, centering on this big war between Jon Snow and Ramsay Bolton, this war for the North. And even in that same episode, sometimes you forget there was this massive dragon battle that was, you know, Daenerys and her dragons incinerating the slavers, the masters of Slavers Bay. Uh, So there were two huge, huge war scenes in that one episode that really set the stakes for where we were going to go in season seven. So yeah, you're right. I think that just visually there was so much exciting stuff that was happening in season six. And that's not even touching on the incredible season six finale, Rob. Right. I mean, I went back and I was listening to our podcasts that we had done back in season six and really back to back weeks uh, between the ninth episode and the 10th episode, there was conversation of, is this the best episode of Game of Thrones? Uh, And then, uh, of course, uh, then the finale came in and just really, uh, you know, you had said it that night, the best finale of of the show that they had done and that was really just incredible and just uh, such big drastic changes to the status quo in uh, both of those shows. Yeah, I mean, I'm prone to hyperbole, Rob. It's uh, one of my one of my feelings here yeah. in, in, in life. You know, it is something that happens. But I, I will say, you know, more than a year removed from that finale, I don't think that's hyperbole. I do think that that season six finale is by far and away the greatest finale that we've seen in Game of Thrones and a true contender for one of the very best episodes of the entire show. I mean, you have that opening sequence of the light of the seven where Cersei's plan to finally thwart the High Sparrow and Marjorie goes into effect and she kills thousands of people just to kill a precious few. It drives her son to commit suicide. She ends up on the Iron Throne. That's a huge status quo shift going into season seven where Cersei, she has lost the things that matter to her most. And now all she has to cling on to our power is, is power at this point. And that's really terrifying going into season seven to see Cersei on the Iron Throne with that being the shape of her life right now. Uh, you got to wonder how much Jamie can rein her in at this point then there's Jon Snow being king in the north by the end of this he's won the battle of the bastards and he has won the respect of all the other northerners and he's the guy who's sitting on the throne in the north at this point beyond that we also have found out something that fans had been speculating on forever uh, that Jon Snow is indeed secretly a Targaryen he is the son of Lyanna Stark who is Ned's sister and not Ned's son at all is just you know was basically Ned's adopted son is his nephew and Rhaegar Targaryen who is Danny's dead older brother is Jon's true father which means Danny is Jon Snow's aunt so that's a really weird thing to start to contemplate as we're heading into season seven. Josh, do you feel like that Game of Thrones could really surprise you in season seven? Or do you think that you sort of have an idea of how this is all going to go down and sort of follow the conventional wisdom of Daenerys coming in, landing in Westeros and then having to go fight against the White Walkers and then 
beating them and then that will be some point where we get to the end point of the show? Yeah, I think we're going to drill into that question in uh, in a lot of different ways over the next few podcasts here. So to, to give kind of the blanket answer to that question, because I've been asked this a lot by, you know, friends of mine in my life or, you know, people who want to talk about Game of Thrones. And I have said, I think I think that we're kind of on the other side of the mountain. I think that we're not not Sir Gregor Clegane yeah. or Sir Robert Strong. Uh, I do think that we're kind of on the other side of the hill and I expect that we are going to pick up a lot of momentum and the snowball is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But you kind of have a sense of how that plays like that thing is eventually going to smash into a thing. And you know how how the snowball rolling down the hill, how that works out. I think it'll be similar narratively with Game of Thrones, where we have all these people in Westeros now. We're going to see, you know, the Starks are going to be in each other's world again. We're going to see Daenerys crossing paths with Jon Snow, Tyrion and Jon Snow together again. Uh, you got to expect there's going to be an enormous battle against the White Walkers. I do think that probably humanity will prevail in some way, shape or form. So I think the general structure of Game of Thrones, I'm kind of expecting to be somewhat predictable. But I think that two things. One, I think that there is, uh, you know, it's very dangerous to assume that suddenly Game of Thrones is going to be predictable. That's when Ned Stark loses his head or the Red Wedding happens. And who really knows what that's going to look like here in seasons seven and eight? I don't know what they could do that could really, really shock you to that extreme anymore. But then again, I never would have predicted like Hodor getting killed in season six or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So who the hell knows? I, I do think that that's certainly a possibility. And the other bit is I think that even if narratively and story wise you know structurally things are fairly neat moving forward you can't spoil the experience of watching a huge action sequence you can't spoil the feeling of what it's like when john and Tyrion meet for the first time you don't know how the or or for the first time in in seasons rather you don't know how those conversations are going to go you don't know what incredible choice dialogue is going to come out of that scene like the tiny moments i think those are going to be the moments where this show is really going to pop moving forward and i also hope that i'm completely wrong about all of this and that there is something just massively jaw-dropping that's going to happen in the next 13 episodes But I do think that just sort of in terms of the greater story structure, I do think it'll be a little bit more streamlined than in the past. I do think that there is a lot of potential irony here, as you are alluding to in a story that if you would have described Game of Thrones to somebody who didn't know what this show was, I think that you probably would have, especially after what happens with Ned and what happens with the Red Wedding, that you would have said, oh, well, the thing about this story is that it's a very unpredictable story in terms of you don't know which one of your favorite characters are going to die and I think that most Game of Thrones uh, fans and, and certainly not everybody might feel like okay well of our principles that we have here at this point, Tyrion and Danny and John and Sansa and Arya, you know, that you know, the worst is over. We're not losing anybody else along the way. And I right. think it might be fun as we go along here to sort of discuss not just the things that we expect to happen, but where potentially there could be some curveballs thrown at us along the way. Yeah, well, I'm sure that we'll plant those flags throughout the road to Westeros here, because I do think that there are some things to talk through in that regard, because I'll be curious to get your takes on this. But those main characters that you just mentioned, if we lost a single one of them here in season seven, I would be genuinely floored. I would be so blown away by that. I would not see it coming at all. Even saying it now, I feel really confident that those people will survive at least to the final season. But 
This is Game of Thrones. This is but a even show to that lose them in the team. final season. I, I don't think that, I, that people are prepared for that. There's, yeah. You know that these heroes could potentially not make it. I mean, uh, you know, good to go down further. I mean, uh, are people uh, okay about if we lost Jamie Lannister? You know, there's a lot right. of people uh, that are like that. The the Hound, even I think that there's a lot of yeah, players on the board. We could lose a Hound, right? You know, you could lose you can a lose Hound. Him. We lost like him it, once for a while, but we, we yeah. lost him once. And like, if you if you're not prepared to lose Jon Snow again after we lost him once like you know we saw that we've, we've had that happen before so i don't know I, I i totally see your point but i don't know i i think it'll i think it'll be really interesting to see who we lose who you can lose at this point as we're pushing so close to the end of the story like what would make sense uh in terms of character deaths uh I, that's why i expect them mostly to be of the of the moderate to minor variety like this is the point in time rob that i'm starting to worry about your davos seaworths of the world or your Tormund giants banes like i think that which would be horrible to lose these people but i don't think like the top 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 tier of characters i'm not that worried about them for this year but famous last words return to this moment in the podcast when we get to the end of season seven and Arya is dead and sansa is dead and all the remaining direwolves are gone as well uh you know who, who the hell knows what we're getting into here with season seven okay so uh, that is exactly what we're planning to discuss uh, in this podcast series josh uh, a- anything else that you want to talk about looking backwards towards uh season six uh, looking backwards towards season six, I mean, it was just I do think it was a lot of um, wheels in motion, uh, you know, getting Danny fully primed and ready to finally leave Essos behind and go back to Westeros and Jon Snow finally getting into a place where he is free of his obligations to the Night's Watch and has some power here in the north. It was a lot of getting from point A to point B or at this point, we're probably I don't know, a like point point uh whatever we're you know we're really we're really deep into this show at this point and i think it was a lot about setting up the end game and now we're in the end game and that's exciting i mean i think that's really exciting we've lost a lot of people along the way we still have a lot of really important characters in place and how it all is going to shake out that's that's anybody's guess at this point but we're days away. We're we're a little bit more than a week away from finding out, Rob. Okay. So we will leave it here for today. And then uh, we will come back and talk all about what we're expecting from the Stark family. And perhaps for the first time since the very beginning of season one, we could see multiple Starks in the same place. And this is going to be a very fun thing for us to uh, walk through. So, of course, you want to make sure that you don't miss that. You could subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And of course, you could follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter to not miss anything that he's doing, podcast or for THR. That's at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Josh, any final thoughts? Only that uh, winter is coming. Winter is coming. That's going to make a dirty joke, but we're here. We're here. Winter is here. Winter (laughs) is here. Okay. All right. We will see you guys in part two of The Road to Westeros coming up soon.